This is the Gate Charlotte Podcast. You're listening to a message by Pastor John Matthews. I'm going to share a couple thoughts. We're going to, I don't have, I knew, I knew this was going to happen. I'm starting to get smart. And when the Holy Spirit tells me it's coming, I have less notes. So it's like, uh, it's it's a little easier to navigate, and I knew it was coming, so you're, you're lucky. I don't have a whole lot today to share, but it's going to go complement what just happened in the room. But before we do that, we, do, we are going to take up our offering, and because it, one of the things that we know in church is that um, it costs money to advance the vision. And I don't say that apologetic. Um, costs money for your house to run. costs money for this house to run. And, um, and so we are going to take up an offering, and I think there's no better time than after he showed up to be able to say, I want to give something to you. But before we do, I want to read a scripture to you that I've never used in the context of an offering, and I don't know why I didn't actually, but 2 Samuel 24, verse 18 says that on that day, Gad went to David and said to him, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. So David went up as the Lord had commanded through Gad. And when Arana looked and saw the king and his officials coming toward him, he went out and bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. And Arana said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? And David responds and says, To buy your threshing floor so I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. And Arana said to David, let my, Lord take, let my Lord the king take whatever he wishes and offer it up. Here are oxen for the burnt offering, and here are the threshing sledges and ox yokes for the wood. Your majesty, Arana gives all this to the king. It's pretty cool, huh? That's not actually the part I want to focus on. Arana also said to him, may the Lord your God accept you. But the king said, replied to Arana, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God a burnt offering that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and he bought the oxen. And he paid 50 shekels of silver for them. And David built an altar to the Lord. And there he sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. And then the Lord answered his prayer on behalf of the land. And the plague on Israel was stopped. I read, here, here's what I want to highlight. David, at this point, was the most rich man on the face of the earth. And he's here and he goes to Iran and says, I, I need to buy something to do a sacrifice. And, and of course, a good heart said, my king, take everything for free. Right? I mean, what appropriate response to when the king comes. I want to bless you. Take it all. And David makes this remark that is huge. He says, I have to buy it. Because I'll never offer up a sacrifice that didn't cost me something. That there's something in that, folks, that, that there, I heard it years ago that one of the greatest tests that the church has to pass is will they be a generous people? 
It's like one of the greatest tests that I, I, I often see just this, this familiar, uh, so often when the Holy Spirit's moving, there's always a spirit of generosity. And I said it last week, and actually I said it, and if you're not in a Facebook group, I mentioned that Jason Clark came and spoke last Sunday at our church and did just a great job, man. And um, it took him, you know, so we sent him a check. And some weeks uh, we have guests, and we as a house write a check, and we just bless them. And some weeks the Holy Spirit makes it really clear that people need to give and invest in. And I just kind of go by what the Spirit leads me to do. And when he came in, the Holy Spirit said, you need to take up an offering for him. And I did, and we... We sent him the check, and it was a really good check. And he called me up and said, you know, just thanks so much. And he made this remark. He said, that's the biggest honorarium I've ever received. Isn't that so good? You see, there's, that has to happen. He goes to churches way bigger than this one. I'm serious. But we were a powerful, generous people that said, we love you. And you know what I got to tell him? I said, so you know, that came from everybody in the church. So we didn't, we didn't add anything onto it. That was from the people. They love you. And then all of a sudden, you know the value that he felt? The value that came to him, like, wow, the people felt that way about me. And so I think David was on to something. I don't want to give anything that doesn't cost me. I don't care if it's worship. I don't care if it's in an offering. It's not about just giving from a place of repetition. It's about giving from a place that it cost me something because I want it to transition from being just this to a sacrifice. And so this morning when we give, I just want to, you know, that's between you and the Father this morning, right? So you, you take a moment and you just hear his heart. But if you're, I'm going to welcome the ushers up and I'm going to pray over you guys. And, and we're going to take up our offering if you're texting it or you need to use a card and just text that number and put the amount in there. And you can do it that way, or you can put it in these baskets. But, Lord, in, right now, we just, we ask, Father, that our hearts would be people that when we give to you, that it would always cost us something. That we don't want to slide into the place of just giving from convenience, but we always want to give from a place where it's from the heart. And so, Lord, I pray that as, as we give to you this morning, that your, your spirit of generosity would just be released on this house. In every area, Father, that we would be a generous people. And that, Lord, that you, I just speak, just increase, Lord, over everyone in this place, Father. And that, uh, Lord, again, I just keep hearing this word, that the word need would not be in our vocabulary. Amen. It just would be something that just you take care of it. Amen. We love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. And if you love him, say amen. amen. All right. They're going to pass those, those um, baskets. And while they're doing that... Um, uh, yeah, the kids can go ahead and be dismissed over here. I was just waiting for him to get up. So. <laughs> you good? Yeah, yeah, kind of. All right, if you're in kids' church, you can go over there. Yeah, go kids. Kids are the best, guys. <laughs> yeah, that was my kid. My kids know they're the best. They act like it. Yeah, we're going to kind of just cruise through today. I don't think we've got an announcement. Do we have anything like really important that needs to be announced? No. We have our conference that you need to register for if you haven't. 
um, Reformers Gathering is coming up. It's only three months away. Um, but it's actually registrations are coming in solid for it. Um, if you don't know, you can just go to, just write this down, reformersgathering.com. Reformersgathering.com is the website. And we've got an awesome lineup of speakers coming to this house. Um, uh, we mentioned it last week, but uh, uh, Bill Vanderbush will be back. Bill, Bill is it's just amazing, guys. Um, uh, Harold Everly will be here. I'll be speaking, and Jason Clark will be coming back. And so it's going to be a phenomenal weekend. We keep it really cheap. Um, we do things a little differently. And so I want to explain this, and then I'm going to share a couple thoughts, and then we'll go. Uh, when I do conferences, we, we've seen them do all different ways, you know. Um, but one of the things we've tried to do is we really don't want money, if possible, to be a factor for people to come to a conference. So we try to keep the cost low. It's 35 bucks a person, and we're flying in two, four, six, like eight people we're flying in. I mean, it's a, it's a big lineup. And so, but one of the things that we started doing is that a lot of people started asking me, they'd reach out and say, hey, um, we could give more to this and we'd like to just support this conference more. And so we threw something out there last year that was never done it before. It's called conference sponsors. And basically that's people that say, hey, we would like to uh, go above and beyond the $35 and sponsor a certain amount for the conference. And so... Um, if that's you, again, that website, reformersgathering.com, you can find information about that on that website, and it will tell you, like, how that works with sponsoring. But that's kind of how we do it because we, we do our best. And there's child care, but it's limited. So if you have kids, you may want to register them pretty soon because we don't have a lot of space. And, yeah, it's a pretty amazing weekend. So, all right. I love it when the presence falls and it's just like this hush. I wrote some notes up here. Hold on a second. <coughs> Flipping your Bibles to First Kings chapter eighteen. Just kind of hang on there a second. I do believe, while you're flipping there, I, I really do believe that we're stepping into a season that's going to be pretty, pretty like no other. Um, I believe God's pouring out his spirit, and I believe that the Bible says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, let the king of glory come in, meaning that we are the gates that he comes through, which is really why we call this church the gate. It's It's... It's very simple. Uh, the Bible says your, your gate, the king of glory, comes through you. And um, it's very simple that I believe that the more we open our gates, the greater he comes through us. And I think for so long we've, we've taken a position on outpourings. Like, well, if we bring in the right speaker, they can, you know, hit it out of the park and revival happens, right? Until the speaker leaves. And then revival leaves with them. But there's something more than revival, and both are needed. And that's why we call it Reformers Gathering. There's something called reformation. It's very simple. It's a reformation. It's, it's, it's a reforming. And how many of you know that right now, churches, culture, there is a lot of areas that we need a reformation. 
don't no matter what your political opinion is. It uh, doesn't matter at this point, they're both acting kind of crazy. So it's, we need a reformation in our, in our country. And, and, and so I believe, I believe that often we get praying for revival, which is so important. But I, I believe that revival comes with a responsibility, and it's called reformation. I believe when we pursue the idea of revival without the idea of reformation, we're pursuing passion, but we don't want to commit. It's like an unhealthy relationship where we just want passion, but we don't want to put a, a ring on it. We want to we wanna have the goosebumps and, and all that kind of stuff, but when it comes to seeing my city changed, that's where the commitment comes in. And so there's this piece where we're called to, to, we need to be revived. We need a, how many, you know, like I constantly, every morning I want to be like, revive me. If there's any area in my life that is like, you know, falling asleep, revive it, revive it, revive it. But there's something that we're missing if we stop at revival and we don't say that revival, everything has a purpose. Like the question I ask about everything, every preacher that preaches a sermon and you can it's just from my own good, is I say, what's the purpose of that? What's the purpose of revival? It's to bring things to life that are reviving things that are dead or appear dead. It's to revive them, but then what? And see, that's where the responsibility comes in, and that's where so often we've enjoyed the thrill, the wave of revival, but what you notice is, is revivals will go through churches and then wipe them out. It's true. I've seen it. Because the end game was just revival. But when the end game is to take the reviving and do something with it in culture, whether it be your family culture, your, your culture in your city, your culture in your church, your personal culture, when that's the end game, there's a constant movement. And so what we believe is that you need both. We need revival. We constantly, I mean, I want to see the point where like, people just are lined up all the way to the street to get through the doors. But I also want to see just as many people leaving the building and taking it into culture. Or all we've done is create a really great place to get hyped up and get thrilled. And then sooner or later, it gets old. It's a lot of work to keep people entertained. <laughs> I'm a bad entertainer. I, I really am. I, I, I just, I, but when God comes in and God moves, it's amazing. I don't want to swap out perform. I don't want to swap out presence for performance, which we see a lot. I mean, we could, you could put together a brilliant service and grow a church and it would be the most amazing performance ever, but I'm, we're looking for presence. And there's this passage in, in 1 Kings 18. Many of you have read it before, but um, we're just going to read it real quick. So jump to verse um, 30, no, 40, 41. So where are you going? 1 Kings 18, 41. Let me just give you some quick context. This is one of the cool passages, my favorite showdown in the Bible. This is where Elijah... Mount Carmel, prophets of Baal, you know, it's the whole, like, it's, it's like a showdown, like, 
you know, that deal. Like, there's hundreds of them, and everybody else want to go wah, wah, wah. And there's, there's hundreds, and, and Elijah is, is a prophet of the Lord. He's so confident in the Lord that he's mocking them. Man, talk about a gutsy move. He's sitting there in front of hundreds of psychos. I mean, they're like cutting themselves, and he's like, maybe, maybe you should just uh, sing louder. And you can almost see him like, <clears throat> and then, I, hey, you can't, maybe he's sleeping, and he's just mocking them. And so he goes through this whole piece, and you know the story where they, they couldn't get anything. And so then he steps up, and he, he does what I love. He's like, let's take it up a notch. Put water all over it. They did it. Put it on it again. It's two or three times. Put more water on it. And what happens? He calls down fire from heaven. Fire comes. Fire consumes so much that it not only consumes the wood, it consumes the stones around the fire pit. Don't ask me. That's cool. Can you imagine fire burning so hot when it's gone, even the rocks are gone? I mean, I've had some out-of-control fires that I'm probably not going to tell you about publicly. <laughs> Always starts with a Christmas tree. That's all I'm saying. Is anyone else like me? It's the most wonderful time. <laughs> like lighting it. Sorry. It's just so fun. And, and, but you're talking a hot fire that next thing you know, the rocks are gone. And so right after that is when we kind of transition into this piece of scripture. And in verse 41, it says, And Elisha said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. Everybody say sound. I'm convinced there's a piece to the prophetic that we don't focus on. We focus on seeing and feeling and not always on hearing. And he's hearing in the spirit a sound of rain. And so he says that I hear the sound of heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. And verse 43, go and look toward the sea, he told his servant, and he went up and looked. <laughs> there is nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elisha said, go back. You got to give it to his servant, too. He's like, let's do it again. Nope, nothing. Go back. Okay. Seven times. Nothing. And then the seventh time the servant reported, excuse me, it was six times nothing. On the seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds and the wind rose and heavy rain started falling and Ahab rode off to Jezreel, and the power of the Lord came on Elijah, and, and tucking his cloak in his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. I also found that kind of cool that he outran him. That was kind of a piece that we never talk about. Like, I mean, did you catch that? He tucks in his cloak, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he ran ahead of Ahab, who had the chariot. <laughs> no one catches that part. You know Ahab's got to be like, how did you beat me? You ever do that? Someone goes with you and they're like, how did you beat me here? I left like 10 minutes. Yeah. You don't want to know. So Elijah, I want you to get this. Elijah hears the sound of heavy rain. 
He takes it before the Lord. He gets on his knees. He tucks his head down. And he leans into the Lord for breakthrough. Some pieces to the story you may not know is that they were in a drought. Matter of fact, the kind of the irony of it was he was the one that called the drought. It's kind of like that. I can bring you into this world. I can take you out. He's like, I brought the drought and I can take it out. And so the Lord used him to bring this drought. And next thing you know, the Lord hears rain. And so what's he know? He says, it's, it's time for rain. And so he goes up on the mountain and he just gets before the Lord and he begins to lean in. And there's one thing that we notice with anyone who has ever done something great in the kingdom. There's one thing that they all carry. They never allow what they see in the physical realm to be greater than what they see in their spirit. They never allow what they see in the physical to become a greater reality than what they see in their spirit. I don't care who it is. I I remember hearing a a story one time of... um, Joseph Garlinson, one of the funnest preachers in the world to listen to. And he was preaching. He was talking about when he was riding down the road with his daughter. And, and, and his daughter was like, Dad, I got a headache. And he's like, oh, baby. He's like, just, let's just believe you're healed. And she's like, all right, all right, I'm healed. She's like, Dad. He's like, yeah. I said, my head still hurts. He says, come on. Just believe that you're healed. And Dad, I believe I'm healed, but I still got a headache. And he made the remark. He said, sooner or later... One reality will take over the other. And when you're leaning into the Lord's truth, it will always become the greater reality. And something that you see with people who are world changers is one common thread that what they see here doesn't bother them because what they see in their spirit is greater. They hang on to things. I have had visions over this house back to... When I was much younger, I've had these visions where I've held on to things. And I remember one time I had a vision of coming down the road and I saw, I, this is weird, I saw like cars lined up down Providence and lined up down Alexander waiting to get into the parking lot. And that was not the case at that time. We didn't have a whole lot of folks, but the Lord showed it to me. And I held on to it. And I still hold on to it. And I still come up here, and I still come up here on nights where no one else is here, because that's my favorite time, is just me and Jesus. And I get down on my knees, and I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go on these things. Because what I've seen in my spirit is greater than what I've often seen with my eyes. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a, call it fact versus truth. The fact might be it's a clear sky, but the truth is rain's coming. Which is greater, fact or truth? <laughs> this is so important for us to get because when you get into that place and you're, you, some of us, we one or two times and well, you know, I gave it my best shot. I mean, how many of us have gotten prayed for by the prayer team seven times? <laughs> Still not got it. Let's do it again. There's this interesting passage in Matthew 6, and I I can't remember the exact verse, but you can look it up. It says, when your eye is, I'll quote it, when your eye is single, your body will be healthy. What does that mean? When your eye is single, when your vision is focused, your body will be healthy. 
When your eye is single, one of the things that I think that we've made a mistake is that often we're so everywhere instead of, Lord, what is it that I'm going after? I meet people that come in, like we come into church, if, if you're, like, your goal is just to get to church, we got to get you a little higher. Amen. Some of you are like, hey, that's not nice. It's true. If our goal is not just to get to church, we got to get it a little higher than that. What are we going for? What are we going for? When your eye is single, your body will be healthy. What is it? And that's what I believe God's going to pour out this morning. I believe that he already did the signs, wonders, and miracles. Some of them he's going to do more, but he wants to connect our hearts to something. And I believe some of you, it hasn't even happened yet. But we live, we live in this place where in, we're in culture right now. There's, there's so many options. It's not like it, like 15 years ago it was radically different than even now. Like people didn't have podcasts and YouTube and all these other opportunities. And now the options are limitless. But what is your eyes set on? Like what are you, what are you, what are you spiritually you wake up in the morning and say, I'm locked into this. You see, I, I feel like that's where he's bringing us next to with this revival and reformation piece, this year that R&R begins. He's saying, what are you locking your eyes? What are you locking your teeth into? You won't let go of it. I've often wondered how many times Elijah would have sent him. It happened the seventh time, but eight. I mean, how many, how, many, how many times are we willing to go for it? How many times are we willing to get to just, I'm going for it again? Let's talk about you praying over people because that's the one where people get locked up. I prayed for somebody to get healed and they didn't. Who cares? Try again. People are like, well, I, I, I tell them the same thing. I said, okay, can you pray over them and they feel loved? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, then it's going to be a winner any way you go about it. We want them to get healed, but as long as they come away feeling loved, you've won. It's so big, guys. Now, if they feel like they got beat over the head and they didn't get healed, that's, that's rough. That's like, it's like your, your prayer ministry is not going to grow very well. Like, people are like, no, you ain't praying over me. But when I pray for people, I always want to be able to walk away. And even, even if they don't get their healing, I've prayed for people and I've prayed for them many times and they didn't receive healing. But as I'm praying for them, they feel the embrace of the Lord. They feel his warmth. They feel his love. But how many times are we willing to go for it? I, I, I understand that we can't take every moment of every day and just do the Elijah on the mountain thing. Right, But just because you don't have the opportunity to do something every day doesn't excuse you from doing it when you do have the opportunity. I may not be able to do that every day all day, but it doesn't excuse me from the moments that I can of getting on my knees and saying, let's do this. I was reading a story about the Welsh Revival, which is such a fun revival. If you haven't studied it, you really should. 
And I came across this little passage that just grabbed my spirit. And it's really simple. Evan Roberts went to Pastor Daniel Jones of his own church, the Mariah Calvinistic Methodist Church. And how's that for a church name? That's a big one. And, and asked to speak to the young people. Pastor Jones was somewhat reluctant, and he told Roberts that, well, I might try and see what I could do, but the ground is stony, and it would be a hard task. So Pastor Jones told Roberts that he could speak after the Monday prayer meeting on that evening to anyone who was inclined to stay. <laughs> Talk about not a boost of morale for Roberts. He's like, I'll tell you what, it's not going to go well, and we'll do it after a prayer meeting for anyone who wants to stay and hear you. But when you're hungry, that'll do. So on Monday evening, the 31st of October, 1904, oh, did I mention it was also October 31st, which is kind of funny. Um, Robert spoke to 17 people who stayed after a prayer meeting, 17 folks, telling them of his experiences and visions and of his belief in a coming revival. The meeting was hard. The people were unresponsive. And Roberts resorted to prayer three times during his long appeal. I know how that feels sometimes. I'm like, I just want to be like, hold on. Roberts is like, three times. I got to pray a minute. It's not going well. You know, it's a struggle when the preacher has to keep pausing to pray. So it says that... Uh, Roberts resorted to prayer three times during his long appeal. The Welsh Christians of that day had a reluctance about giving a personal testimony of assurance of salvation. But by 10 p.m., all 17 had testified of their faith in Christ, including Evan Roberts' brother, Dan, and his three sisters who publicly professed their faith for the first time. Quote, young men and women who had never been known to speak openly of any experience of saving grace, stood and testified fearlessly, end quote. The following Friday, now this is where, this is what I want to get to. The following Friday, Evans submitted a note to the national paper that said this, we are on the eve of a great revival, a great and grand revival, the greatest that Wales has ever seen. 17 people. You want to know the difference? When you're locked into what God's speaking, you only need 17. You only need one or two. Because you are locked in. People that come in and just want to ride the wave, that's not impressive. To the, I call them spiritual surfers. They come in when the wave comes and they go when it leaves. But to the person that's saying, I'm going after this, well, I'll give you a chance to speak after a prayer meeting, which is funny they're at the prayer meeting because half of them weren't even saved. <laughs> and he says, I'll take it. Why? Because he had a passion to see an outpouring. 
I believe the Lord is just trying to just stoke our fire a little bit this morning. Don't pass up the little, the things that others think is little. It may be your cloud that's the size of a man's hand. And so many people would have passed that up. I don't know how many people would, if I told them, hey, you can come to my church and speak. Uh, I'll let you do it after a prayer meeting. There'll be about a dozen people there. No, thanks. But people that are hungry, I'll take that. You know, Jesus had this thing where if you ever notice, all the greatest revelations that happened was usually once everybody else left. Everyone else took off, and he said, I'm going to show you, I'm going to teach you a little nugget here. And, and all of a sudden, these great revelations happened after everybody left the prayer meeting. What's the point? There's something that we have to, we have, to have hunger. Amen. We have to have spiritual hunger that says, I, it, it's just, it's, I can't get enough. I, you know, like the cool thing about spiritual hunger is that the more you eat, the hungrier you get. I can't explain it. It's the weirdest thing. I come in hungry. I eat. I leave more hungry. It just stirs up my appetite for more. And Elijah said, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand. Pack up, boys. It's getting ready to rain. I feel like. In this house, we're seeing the cloud, the size of a man's hand. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, get ready. If I'm telling you, get ready. Like, tuck in your cloak and get ready because the rain's coming. And what you're seeing right now, it's just the small cloud. There is a downpour that's behind it. And I believe, and I don't have much more to, I told you it was going to be a really short sermon this morning. Something I hear from people all the time is, I don't know what the Lord has for me. I don't know what's next. I believe that every believer, how do I say this? I believe that every believer, there is a cloudless sky that has been assigned to them. Amen. That they're called to pray into. Amen. I don't know if your cloudless sky might look like your family right now. It may look like, maybe it's something like, it could be anything. But I believe that every believer, every believer, there is a cloudless sky that is waiting for you. To pray into it. And I believe that this morning, the word that the Lord told me is he said, I'm going to show people what their cloudless sky is. The area that people are waiting for rain. The area that someone, it's dry. That you can look at that area and say, I'll pray until I see the clouds. I'll pray until it rains. And it's, it's, it's going to be between, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't think you're going to, a lot of you won't get it this morning. I believe as you engage your will, he'll give it to you. But I believe it's going to be an engagement of you and him, and he's going to speak to you. Some of you already have it. Some of you already know what area in life it is. We have friends in this house. I mean, they, they're praying into stuff. They're doing stuff. 
One of she's not here this morning. Debbie Hancock in Compassion International. She's she's ministering into the the sex trafficking. You know that that the darkest of the dark places where it looks like to so many people it's a cloudless sky. There's no rain, but she's seen a cloud. And she said, That's, I've seen a cloud, and I'll keep going. And some of you, there's certain areas in your life that it, it, it looks like a clear, crystal clear sky. And God's saying, I want to send my rain on that. And he needs a believer that will step into that clear sky and say, I'll call down the rain. I'll call down the rain. I believe that we've been assigned. I, I believe there's other churches. We are by no means the elite church in this city. Never would we think that, but we are a part of a group of people that have a responsibility of seeing the rain come in our city. Amen. We're, we are a people that are responsible. I love using that word because I think sometimes we just, we, we lose the reality of the responsibility that we carry. He's put us in this city that we're responsible to see heaven in this city. You're, the schools that your kids are in, they're responsible to see heaven in their schools. Your work. You're, you're responsible to see heaven released. And I'm, I guess I'm just doing a call this morning that we would take responsibility for what he's put on our shoulders. And it's not a bad thing. It's not a burden. It's a responsibility. When it becomes a burden, you're trying to do it on your own. And then you took a wrong turn. I can't, I can't do this on my own. But I do have a responsibility. And so do you. Yes. Every single person in this house, there's a cloudless sky that he's calling you to. Let's stand up. I want you with, I just want you and the Father right now. He's, I'm going to pray a prayer over you, and I want you to listen. And, and maybe he'll highlight to you what is the area that you've already been called to. Maybe he's going to begin to stir your heart for something. But there shouldn't be any person that ever feels like they don't know what to do in the kingdom. Amen. There's more than enough to go around. And we need every believer. So right now, I just want you to position your hearts as we, as we wrap it up. Father, I pray right now that you would begin to reveal to us, every person in this room, what is their cloudless sky that you're calling them to. And I pray that the persistence, the fire, the passion, the determination that Elijah had that says, I will keep going for this. Some of you, it's healing and wholeness. Some of you, it's a ministry to families. Some of you, there's all different things I feel in this room. Some of you may be a ministry to the, to the government, to city officials. I pray right now that he would highlight it. And some of you, you may have just kind of put it away a while ago, but I pray that he'd pull it back out. What are those areas that he's calling us to pray into? And some of you have been praying, and some of you see a cloud. I pray that you wouldn't give up, even if you've seen a little cloud for a while. Lock into 
that he's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. Come on, just ask the Lord right now. If you're willing to take on the responsibility of Father, I ask you, what is the cloudless sky that you're calling me to? Guys, it could be anything. It could be church. It could be ministry. It could be Hollywood. What is it he's calling you to? this thing for media um, I just I don't know why specifically for media um, Stephanie you're, you're like right in front of me which is not normal and I was praying and the Lord was like highlighting you're in the media with news and all that and in front of the public eye and I, I feel like there's something for that in the room this morning though that is for you but it's also for other people in the room that feel called to that is there anyone else that feels called to whether it be like the, the media piece or or, yeah, here, anyone else, here, just raise your hand, here, 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 here. Keep your hand up real quick, and, we'll, and if somebody's around you, just put, there's something for it this morning, okay? And so it may look different, but I'm going to pray for you. In Jesus' name, I pray over everybody. I pray that right now that you would begin to give favor and open doors to begin to impact culture through the media. That could look a lot of different ways. That, whatever that looks like, I release that in Jesus' name right now. He's highlighting you for a purpose. There's a cloudless sky that he's sending you out to call down rain, to call down rain. So I pray over you right now that he would give you favor that no one understands. I love favor that no one understands. Why do you always get that, that kind of favor? Like, like uh, that's my prayer every day. I want the favor that no one understands because it's favor from him. I pray he would promote um, those of you that are already uh, putting your foot into that area. I pray promotion over you. That doesn't make sense either, that you just get promoted up, 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 up. Mm. In Jesus' name, that you would be able to impact and affect culture and society through the media. One of the most powerful tools we have today is media. It's powerful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anyone in the room that feels called to the school systems? Raise your hand. <laughs> you got to be on fire for that one. We need it. Here, here. Put your hand up. We need, put your hand up there. Cool. School systems. We need it to rain in our school systems. So if someone has their hand up, put your hand on them. I'll lead the prayer, but you just agree with me. In Jesus' name, we speak over everyone that feels called to the school systems right now, whether it be public or private. They both need Jesus. I pray over them that they would carry such love and compassion. I think about the scriptures that every time the scripture says Jesus was moved with compassion, something amazing happened. I release compassion over you like you have never experienced before i pray that the lord would provide for you i pray that he would bless you whatever vein uh, whether it be a teacher it doesn't matter whatever vein you are in i pray that he would you would carry the rain you would carry the rain you would carry the rain and 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 i just speak encouragement over you like like i don't know I, what do i feel 
I want the whole room to agree that like, you got this. I don't know how else to say it. Like, you got this. Like, like, like soon as I said, oh, you need this, I got convicted. Like, I just slandered what they do. Like, I didn't even mean it to come out that way. And I want us just to release like this. We, you've got this. Like, we support you. I don't know how else to say it. So just, just say that. Just, we support you. Which is, we support you. Those that are, that are, your hands are raised, we support you. We support what you're doing. We support what you're doing. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. <laughs> If you feel like God's called you, and this is the last one, and I'm going to call up the prayer team. If you feel like God has called you into a ministry that is, uh, you know, more specifically what it is. You don't have to tell me, but, but you do feel like he's called you in a ministry. And whether you're in it or you're walking towards it, I just want you to raise your hand. That'd probably be a lot of us, so that's okay. Just raise your hand. Put your hand on somebody around you with their hand up. And I want to release the rain. Release the rain. We call forward. We call on those clouds to begin to form. I pray the same thing that Elijah, like he heard the sound of heavy rain long before he saw anything. I pray that your spirit would begin to hear things. Like you would just feel the confirmation of the Lord. You would begin to feel things and hear things. We just bless you. We stand with you. Whatever that looks like, we just pray that the Lord would open doors that no one else can open. <laughs> I pray creative ideas over you. Like, the church really needs creative ideas. Like, they need to be creative. We, we tend to pick things up and follow s certain ways of doing things, and Jesus came in and shook everything up. And I pray that you would just have creative ideas that would be able to minister in places that no one's ever thought about. In Jesus' name. Everybody in the room, just put your hands out real quick. I'm going to release that one over everybody because it doesn't matter what your passion is. You need creativity. So in Jesus' name, I release creative ideas throughout the whole room right now. It doesn't matter what your career or your passion is. You need heaven's creativity to show you how to do it with your unique flavor. So in Jesus' name, I release the creativity of heaven over you right now. Some of you are going to begin having dreams. Stay right there. Some of you are going to begin having, there's been a massive increase in dreams lately. That, like, a lot of dreams. Write them down. Write them down. You'll need them later. I just release it over you in Jesus' name. And I pray over every marriage represented in this room that the Father would just reign on those relationships. That they would be just drenched in the presence of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.